Hi, I'm Roy Collin, and I'm the creator of the podcast. You can find everything about me and the five podcasts on bio.link forward slash podcaster, and you'll find it in the QR code there. I'd also like to thank my sponsors. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety and want to know how to be 100% anxiety free in six weeks without therapy or drugs, Daniel Packard Anxiety Solution Program Company offers a six weeks system that permanently solves anxiety at an astounding 90% success rate. People who join the program only pay at the end once they have clear, measurable results. If you're interested in learning more, go to permanentanxietysolutions.com where you can book a free consultation with Daniel. Do you have high blood pressure or want to get off the meds? Doctors are amazed at what Zona Plus can do. Get a $50 discount with my code ROY. Go to zona.com slash discount slash ROY and you'll see the QR code for all my sponsors down at the end. Quality Polish manufacturer of metal products for telecommunication and workshop equipment and other metals. If you'd like a brochure, you see it in the QR code and you just let us know if you would like a quotation shipped internationally and very competitive rates. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. We're also on BitChute and YouTube. You'll find the links in the podcast description. I'm also a podcasting coach and I've got four other podcasts. You'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. My guest today is actually in beautiful Toronto, Canada, storytelling coach, speaking coach, and a writer. Please welcome Erin Rogers. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> and also, friend for podcasts. Good for you. <laughs> what do you do? Like, at the end of the day, do you just like, you're like upright? You're like so busy. You're just like, I'm just going to plug into the wall. Like, that is a lot of stuff. I actually love it. It's five to total, including the, and I no, love it. Five to be honest, total, I, yes, of course. Yeah, I, I get so much uh, energy from it. And yeah. just meeting people like yourself and having lovely conversations. It's, uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's a, I recommend everybody to actually start podcasting. Honestly, it is. I'm also a very busy person and I'm of the opinion, if you get to do what you love, that's the thing about being busy. I'm being busy doing amazing things. Also, you can tell I'm in the arts and not in math because I couldn't count to five. <laughs> <laughs> I will be honest with you, uh, and this is a thing as a storyteller, I'll probably tell a few little anecdotes. Uh, I was put in business math uh, in high school where we had textbooks that were 20 years old and one of the uh, my fellow students set his desk on fire. So let's let's just say it wasn't math for like people who were really going places with math. Yeah, but I mean, listen, I, I was in school and uh, I was put into a, an Irish and English class that was kind of like the worst of the worst. And uh, yeah, they, they, they yeah. tend to do the wrong thing when yep. they should be helping us. But look, it is right. what it is. Uh, yeah. No. Right. So it's it's one of my it's one of my passions uh, uh, in the work that I do is that, listen, my parents are both teachers. I have a great respect for teachers. Uh, but the amount of ways society does not do people right, including like my father was a teacher and like they were not great to him in school. Uh, he was told at one point to uh, join the world of work, uh, which is a great euphemism for get the heck out of this school. Um, but it is it's and I feel like you probably feel this as well. One of the things about doing the kind of stuff that we do is you can find these other elements that you were probably had some kind of message that you were wrong about. There's the, these parts of you that are different. Uh, one of the things I love about stories is you just watch someone come alive in a way uh, that's so magical. It's like seeing a movie, but it's right there in front of you. Uh, so it is, I, I describe myself a few different ways. One, I am an enthusiasm enthusiast. Uh, I love, I love creativity. I love people trying something different. I'm very enthusiastic. When I meet people, uh, a friend of mine said, you can tell when you've been in a party before me because everyone starts talking about the book they're going to write and like all that kind of stuff, because I love that. And also on a selfish note, I want to read all those books. I want to watch all those shows. I want to, you know, all that stuff. Um, but my, my job, uh, other than being a professional weirdo, 
is uh, to help people find and share their stories to connect with people. Uh, so whether I'm going into a company and teaching them how to use stories uh, to talk to uh, their clients and and get information across to like work with shareholders, that sort of thing. Uh, or I'm uh, helping someone work on a, a story they're going to tell in front of the audience of a storytelling show or do a uh, like a keynote in front of thousands of people. It's all about communication and connection. And as someone who has a major history with anxiety and uh, mental health uh, fun, uh, I also really pride myself on finding the way that it'll work for the individual, because what, especially when I was at my worst, like at one point I had to literally push myself out of the door of my apartment because everything felt so overwhelming. There, There is an apartment, and I apologize to that landlord, where there are literal fingernail scratches of me having to push myself out every day. And it's like, you know, waves on a rock, eventually it'll turn into sand. Um, but I would get tips like, well, just do it. I'm like, oh, well, that's helpful. That's cool. Thank you for that. Or, uh, you know, well, I picture everyone in the audience naked. And I was like, I don't want to go. That feels unfair to you uh, to decide that I'm going to. Uh, so all of those things weren't working for me. And so I really love finding the thing that's going to work for that individual because we're all different and we all have something to share. But if it is going to be an unpleasant or scary or whatever experience in a way that'll stop you from bringing yourself in the way you want to, well, that's, that's no, that's only half of the job I've done. If I've helped you find your story, but I, we haven't figured out a way for you to communicate that story in a way that's going to feel as comfortable for you as possible. Then like I've gotten 50% and as someone who was desperate to get an A in school, didn't get them very often, but was desperate to get an A in school, 50% is not enough for me. So how, I mean, I, I had anxiety as well, hated, you know, public speaking. Oh, because yeah. obviously I think you can serve people a lot better when you've mm -hmm. been in there. Because some people, they're like, even from people that's been on my shows, like from five, I knew I wanted to be a public speaker. I did acting and, and they just had no fare ever. But then yeah. there's, there's like us, that just like, yeah. I mean, I think my claw marks are on the lectern where I did my first speech. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Could so, you imagine if that lectern just happens to also be owned by that same landlord? That same landlord's like, ah, why does this keep happening? <laughs> or maybe they're just really into claw marks, so they're 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 happy as a clam. But yes, there are people where that's their story, where they're like, I was five, I knew I wanted to do this. Uh, I, you know, it's always been great. It's always been exciting, and that's great. Like that's like the fantasy football league of, I don't know if they have that in, in Ireland. Do the people do fantasy football leagues? Um, yeah. yeah. Or like fantasy, like footy leagues. Um, but it is like, that's, that's great and exciting. And like, tell me how your brain works. Um, but I think for a lot of us, it's some sort of spectrum of anxiety because you know, this it's one of people's greatest fears. There's people who are like, I would punch a shark in the nose before. Cause you know, they say, well, it's like, that's how you get rid of, you punch a shark in the nose. And I don't know who has a shark coming at them. And they're like, I know I'll just punch him in the nose. Like, I'm like, I'm just, that's the one, shark, that's the one handed people walking around the place. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, there you go. But they, but that one arm is like real victory. Cause they punch that shark. But I honestly, if a shark was coming to me, I'd be like, you win. Like, <laughs> congratulations, shark. Good job. Uh, this is my last moment. Hope I lived it well. Anyways, uh, that aside, uh, if it's unclear, I do have ADHD. So uh, when I do speaking engagements, it's all prepared. When I'm talking this way, sometimes I talk about punching a shark in the nose. But anyways, most of us are not punching a shark in the nose people. Uh, because especially you, almost everyone in my experience has had someone say something that lives in the back of your brain. And when you're trying to speak in front of people or whatever, that voice gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And you can know intellectually that that person is not accurate or times have changed or whatever. 
the amount of things in my mind where I'm like, I don't even like that person. And somehow their judgment of me has this power where it's like, I, it's good they think that about me. I don't want them to like me. They're not a good person. But also it is like, it's like a ghost, like, um, and that's the thing is when I know people, like, I'm so glad for people where everything's just gone really well, but knowing that people have a difficult time, knowing you're a person who's a podcast, podcast uh, coach and has like a baker's dozen of podcasts and has that anxiety. I was like, oh my God, I could do it. If he could do it, I could do it. This is great. No, exactly. And I'm just curious because from myself and talking mm. to a lot of people that have been on the show, we've mm. traced it back that a lot of it is caused by the teachers or just the mm. school environment because they're going around the class and you panic. I mean, I remember my brain used to switch off when there were about five people away from me and it was like, yeah. I used to just panic and then you start yeah. stuttering and everything. And then the class is laughing at you or the teacher starts giving out you because they're saying numbers backwards and things like that. And then you just, that's, as you say, it goes to the back of your head. And it seems like everybody's got an experience like that. Yeah. And I think part of the thing is, and I don't know the fix for it, is because teachers are people. Like, wow, what a revelation. But everyone has had a bad day and made like a mean joke or whatever. And later you feel bad about it. But with children, they're like little baby brains are figuring stuff out. And also like you're the expert, you're the teacher, et cetera, et cetera. You have this power over their life. Um, And also there's people that are teachers that just shouldn't be teachers. There's people that are teachers where it's like, did you become a teacher because you actively hate children? And you're like, oh, get them all. They're all in one spot. But it is, most teachers are just people doing their best, you know, low budgets, et cetera. And also I'm going to be, very vulnerable with you I was an annoying child (laughs) like I was you know especially when I so I have ADHD uh I uh am autistic I do the wrong thing sometimes um and when there was no idea of that when I was a kid first of all they thought ADHD was only for boys that it went away there was all these things that people didn't know about so I think there were a lot of people because it just seemed like I was doing it on purpose that were like this kid let's just make her stop instead of why is she doing this because the system isn't set up at least it wasn't here to be the best for kids it was just like let it was basically like just get this shovel this information into them and I had wonderful teachers like I'm a I'm a queer kid. Uh, definitely, some of my best friends were teachers. You know, I had that art teacher. I had asked just about any, honestly, any creative kid, but especially a, a queer kid, a queer adult, and they have a teacher that like changed their life and let them know things were going to be okay. Uh, but there were, but also the system is just like, okay, you have more kids and there's more information and you've got to get it into them as soon as possible. So I think sometimes if there's a disruption, it's like, well, my job is to do this. This is an obstacle. I do not have time to sit down and figure out what's going on with this kid. So you just do what you have to do. And the other thing is, like, I think some of them, well, I don't know what it's like in America, but usually in Ireland, it was a case of they had a job for life. And I yeah. think maybe perhaps they were excited for the first 10 years, but then then the children probably sucked the energy out of them. And it was there like is... they were just chugging through life and they didn't yeah. really want to be there. And you could feel it as a child. Yeah, there are definitely people. It's just, it's so funny. So when I went to university, uh, I went to U of T, which uh, is very funny. They call it the Harvard of Canada. And let me tell you, it is not because I got in and I would not have gone into Harvard. Um, but it, it, there were there were people there and uh, U of T will tell you. And uh, if the university is listening, sorry, you're a great school, but, you know, you've you're pretty high on your own fumes uh, that they're the best school, etc. But there were professors there that actively hated every person there they're like oh i have to deal with you and these are people that yes they definitely are guaranteed a job and they're making like really good money and they're just like oh i have to teach yuck so it is like i there's 
it's one of the the reasons you know I'm, I'm very much a like we need to change the system but there's so many things where it's just like we're there's vulnerable people and they're having to like learning is a vulnerable thing uh you're having to and like when you're a kid you I don't think it feels the same way but you're going to a place where you don't know something and people hate to admit they don't know something and there is a person who is going to give you that information and they have all the control and you don't um so like it is it's just so tricky and i I think the like a lot of people kind of use it like a babysitting service and they just Yeah. yeah off you go and they don't even check what's going on Parents yeah. have to take full responsibility, you know, and know what is going on in the child's life, what they've discussed and and realize when there's an issue to nip it in the bud at the start rather than the child having, you know, a, a problem in their in their teenage years. Yeah, I also and this is one of the reasons that I love what I do is the thing is, is there are other ways to support people and kids and whatever Uh, Because I think part of the thing that helps me turn that volume knob down, because those those mean things are always going to be there. And let's be honest, there is at least one person walking around in the world. And I hope it's only one who I have said something to. And that lives in their brain. I have said something mean or I have said something I don't know is mean or whatever because we're all human and we're all flawed and sometimes and we're all the villain in someone's story um but with vulnerable emotional work the volume turns down when i'm in a storytelling show and i hear someone be vulnerable and admit to their flaws and talk about what makes them happy and what makes them cry and like things they've learned in the world i know that i'm okay in a way that I hadn't before. I don't want to brag, but I've done like a lot of therapy, like a lot, you know, do you have like, you know, you used to have like sub cards. And if you, if you got enough stamps, then you get a free sub. I would probably get several submarine sandwiches uh, based on the amount of therapy I've had. Um, But it amazes me how much sharing stories uh, has been a tool for turning the volume down with those things and i i think it's also one of the reasons why i think both people want to work with both of us is it's just like oh this is a regular person like me who has their ups and downs who's not perfect who is figuring it out and i think that is one of the problems with the way education is is uh there is the idea of there's this perfect person who's an educator or there's this terrible person that there's an educator. There's not really a space for people uh, to be flawed and complicated and a bunch of different things. And it's the same with kids. It's like people are like, oh, I love kids. They're magical angels or I hate kids. There's they're monsters and they ruin every time I'm on a plane. And it's like, no, they're just people. Yeah, exactly. Well said, well said. So you I know you're helping people kind of bring the funny in their storytelling. Yes. So you might let us know how you do that, because I, I know some people really struggle with trying to have humor in a speech. And I think it's probably most of the speeches that I've done always kind of include humor. I, I prefer that. Like, I love seeing yeah. the audience laugh and the energy you get from it. But mm-hmm. trying to teach that then, how do you actually navigate that? Well, I will say that one of the biggest tips that I have for people is humor is a tool uh, to help people listen to you. So you don't have to have like people don't have to be coming up to you and being like, like, you know, it's not it's not a I I can't think of a uh, it's not a a Chris Rock concert, especially not a Chris Rock concert for me. Um, You know, people coming up to me and like saying my catchphrase. It's giving them a space to breathe because especially for someone with ADHD, I can only concentrate for such uh, an amount of time. So if you're giving me a bunch of information or it is uh, a difficult experience that you're telling me, if it goes, 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 my brain is going to get tired and I want to listen. I want to listen so badly. But if you give me those breathing breaks, then I can stay with you and I'm happier. And also I like to laugh. I mean, who doesn't? Um, But 
you don't actually have to be hilarious. A dad joke will do great. People will be like, wah, ha, 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 ha. Um, it's being your type of funny. So for me, one of the best ways to be funny is your point of view in the world. So when I work with clients, I often ask them to get more specific and to find out what the details are to your point of view uh, and how you see the world, because that is often where the funny is. So for example, this is um, if you are telling a story and you're talking about um, I, I was having some some fries, excuse me, and uh, uh, then I got some ketchup. If you say Heinz ketchup, you'd say the specificity, you'll be surprised how often people like perk up and sometimes laugh with just a specificity. Also, and this is like, this is a cheap trick, but listen, both the band and the thing, I love cheap trick. So, so here is a cheap trick for you. If you're talking about the past, uh, uh, references to the past, specific references, uh, often get a laugh from people, especially if they're of the same age as you are older. Uh, now, if you're like me, 42, and there's a bunch of 20 year olds, uh, they might just stare at you uh, because they uh, are not gifted uh, with the same knowledge of cheap trick as I am. They're a great band. Anyways, um, but something along the lines of I did a story recently and I was talking about the 90s. And it was, I know two things uh, that uh, I hate this book that I'm reading and that Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake will be together forever. Now, that is, we know now, of course they are not. So it is funny. Um, any kind of thing where it is, you have a very strong belief that we know now is not correct. Uh, that is not a hateful belief. Uh, we'll almost always get a laugh because that is, the 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 very very strong belief that goes wrong is just a funny thing if you believe so strongly in something and it's not real um that passion is just funny because we all relate to it we've all been like oh yes um cheap trick is the greatest band of all time like they can't be the greatest band of all time there's many bands there's a whole world of bands but if i am so passionate about something and uh am proven wrong uh yeah i i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest uh uh i will say uh there's a lot of bands i want to be very canadian bare naked ladies are the best band of all time they're probably canada's most popular band bare naked ladies greatest band of all time if i really commit to that people will be like well that's not possible well, they can't be the greatest band of all time um also just a lot of laugh is them being on your side so if you bring enthusiasm if you bring a character to things uh that will also it doesn't always have to be a ha 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 laugh like a laugh of recognition is very powerful and i'm on your side laugh is very powerful but a lot of it is bringing yourself and being vulnerable uh, and uh, what I would love to do for your readers is I'm going to give a little free workshop, uh, worksheet, pardon me, of some little tips you could use to find your funny right at the top while you're putting things together. Okay, excellent. And like when, say, somebody is preparing, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's good when you know the audience because, exactly. as you mentioned, the age group and you, you're not going to throw something, you know, if you're kind of, 40s and this a young crude but when you yeah. don't know what what's yeah. the best way do you just kind of err on caution or do you try to incorporate a few kind of generations that you're you're touching on both sides of the fence i will say you can never go wrong with making fun of yourself um you're not gonna hurt anyone's feelings making fun of yourself i will say if uh you're talking about something that other people might share like say fat phobia is the thing that is around everywhere and so making like insults about your body maybe not the greatest but you can always make fun of yourself and also people love a dad joke uh it is one of those things especially if you're talking about something difficult if you could put one in there somewhere uh 
people love that relief and it is suddenly you are getting huge laughs for something that in a different context wouldn't but I would say no matter what you can always safely make fun of yourself okay excellent and I know that you did uh, some solo shows uh, mm-hmm. I think it was tough was it the name of it it was uh, called yes. so I'm just curious how long it was for and how did you navigate through that well, uh, I am a big fan of uh, stand-up and comedy and one-person shows. And so I had had an experience of a summer where I tried to be a tough person because I'm a, like a little squishy marshmallow of a human being. And uh, as I was going through it, uh, people kept saying, you're like, because I, I never think what I'm doing is weird. I always, and that's, I also think a, a thing from comedy is like, I always think what I'm doing completely makes sense. And then other people will go, huh? And so also if you're, if when you're telling someone something, they go, huh, you're probably onto something funny. But people kept being like, what is this? Tell me more. And so I started to realize it was an experience and it was a solo show. And I got a little bit away from the actual experience. So I, I looked at, you know, the writing I had done at the time and started figuring out uh what i what i learned and how i changed now when i did the solo show it didn't end with really what i have learned is the following because in my experience that's when people start to roll their eyes because they they can figure out what uh they're taking out of it i don't have to tell them uh they're very smart people they'll they will figure it all out but it was to me one of the most important things with coming figuring out a solo show is having a little bit of distance from the material. And so it was, I had enough space to figure out why I was doing these things because there were certain things in my life that I had no idea, pardon me. uh, I had no idea why I was doing it, but it was, it was happening in my life. And uh, it was a matter of finding what the structure was that worked and finding the beginning, middle, and end, and then just having a lot of fun and seeing what worked and trying it out on different stages. So it was taking uh, some some parts that might have seemed disparate at first and seeing the connections from them that created an arc. Okay, excellent. So I know you do uh, like uh, workshops and- I do. Like, I'd love to know how you structure your workshops with your personality type and, you know, energetic and just mm-hmm. so I like you obviously put your take on how people can learn better. So I'd love to know what yes. way you're structuring it and how you're connecting with the, the people can it, going to the workshops. Well, I sort of reverse engineer it. What I want to do is what are the things that I would like people to come out of the workshop with? So I'm teaching an intro to storytelling workshop in a few weeks, and it is, there are some things I'd like to have people come out of it with. Like, I want them to have the basics so they can start finding and writing their stories and sharing them right away. My goal, one of my big goals in life is to uh, encourage people and get them telling stories uh, because I want to hear those stories. So let's say we're doing a a business uh, storytelling workshop. I will talk to the client and be like, what are the problems that you need me to solve? My it's, it's, uh, this is very embarrassing. And I don't usually say this publicly, but I say in my mind, I have what I call, uh, the vanilla ice method where it's like, you have a problem. I'll solve it. Check out the beat while the DJ revolves it. Ice, ice baby. So like, what is, I'm autistic. Uh, what is the problem and how can we find the solution and what are the exercises that will help. And if I can, in the same way where you were talking about know your audience, I like to find out what the style is of the learners who are taking the workshop. How do they feel most comfortable? Because there's different methods of learning. Um, and also I'm, you know, my like super high energy is not for everyone. So if there's someone where it's like, they're going to feel on the spot, I always let everyone know before a workshop and the day of, If you do not want to, I will not call on you. If I'm looking around, just don't make eye contact. And I will know that that means not to call on you because that is my also like school thing where it is, you know, the teacher is like, who's not listening? I'm going to call on them. We don't have to, this is a place where 
we're having fun, like I'm not going to embarrass you in front of people. So to me, the most important thing with workshops is what is going to be the most helpful for the people in that room? What are the problems that we're going to solve? Excellent. So you're the co-founder of Pathfinder Collective. What's that about? Mm -hmm. So the Pathfinders Collective is uh, a collective of three of us and we uh, put out storytelling collections. So the idea is especially to encourage people who maybe haven't done this before or who have and have fallen off of it. And also amazing storytellers that I've met who are incredible and I've seen on different stages. But the idea is to have different people like I'm sorry, Roy, you are going to get an email after this being like, hey, want to do a story in our next collection and giving you the information about it. But it is, we have a theme, you tell a true story on that theme. And then for people who are accepted into the collection, one of the members will work with you on your story, ask you some questions, we'll have a coaching session, and then there's back and forth on it. So the idea is to um, feature in a highlight different storytellers especially people who maybe haven't been featured in the same way because there's so many creative people who heard the wrong message and have given up and it's not there I'm not of the the like well you just have to keep going no matter what and like it doesn't matter what anyone else says cool sure and if that works for you bless I am proud of you. You are one of the people that knew what they wanted to do at five and everything worked out well. But for a lot of us, you get the wrong message and it's easy to give up because if you're creative, you're sensitive. Uh, I have a friend who was at one point, uh, he managed a bunch of uh, rappers and he was saying that uh, there would be a time where one of them would like get their feelings hurt in a way and they wouldn't know what to do about it because they were very, very sensitive people and because they're artists and people would expect because a lot of what they're the, the artists he was talking about, you know, it's like they they were their raps were all God, I, I'm the whitest person in the world, but their their art was all about being strong. It's almost like a fantasy of you, you like you're very, very strong. That was the style of rapper that he was with at the time, but they're very emotional and uh sensitive people and so it is someone says the wrong thing and they will shut down and then they have a hard time creating so that was what we, I, I had been lucky enough to find this online world especially in the early days of lockdown uh for uh uh I was about to say SARS oh my goodness that's a that's a blast from the past uh uh from uh the why can't I think of the name of it? Oh my goodness. This is why I edit uh, for COVID. Uh, and I had met all these amazing people and from all over the world, I could, you know, go and, and hear a, a show from India. I could hear a show from the States. I could hear uh, one from down the street. And so I realized there was all these people where wouldn't it be great if there was a book? Because for, for some peers of mine, it was like, well, they can't come to this show, but if I had a book of them, they could read them whenever. Uh, and so I reached out to someone I met at a show uh, and was just like, basically like, hey, want to be friends and do this really intense project with me? And he agreed. And uh, we put together this collection that, we're, that, we, that we were and are so proud of. Uh, his name is Jeremy Credlow, wonderful guy, uh, fantastic storyteller, fantastic writer. And then one of the people in the first collection joined us uh, Kurt Mullen, also fantastic guy, fantastic writer, etc. And we uh, all the money from the collections goes to charity. And we have a space where it's a, a bunch of different types of writers uh, from all over the place. We do have an Irish writer this time. Uh, their name is AJ. And that story uh, touched my heart. And I've actually gotten a lot of feedback from uh, people about how that story made them feel because it is about depression and, and finding this moment where you know things are gonna be okay, even though it doesn't solve everything. And I think that's often not talking talked about in mental health circles. It's not that you're just better, it's that you know you're gonna be okay is one of the most important moments that like, even though it's gonna get tough again, it might get tough in five minutes, 
you know that you're going to be able to get through it. Beautiful. And with, because uh, I know you do some webinars as well, and mm. I know that, like, you know, some people, they're trying to create courses or whatever they're mm. doing, but webinars is kind of an important part. So what have you kind of learned the more you've done? What kind of tips could you give people with the webinars? Yes. Well, I think the thing with webinars and doing anything on the web is that uh, you do lose something because you don't have the same kind of, you're not in the same space. So you can't get the feeling of the room in the same way. So I will say uh, get to it quicker uh, would be one of the things uh, because also you're dealing with, uh, you know, there's like someone has a baby cry or there's a dog walking in and or all that kind of stuff. You don't have complete control of the space uh, and people's attention. Uh, and also don't read out your slides. Uh, don't just be like, hello, my name is Aaron and click. We are going to be talking because I've gone to those webinars. There's a lot less- of people doing that. And it's like yeah. you just cringe because one, if you're reading it yourself, you're 10 times faster. Exactly. Uh, I will say some of my biggest tips are tell people you'll give them the slides later because then they're going to be listening to you and not reading the slide because they know and also send it because I've had people say they'll send the slides and they don't and then I'm stressed. Um, Tell them that. Don't read your slides and think about what you want in a webinar. That sounds really obvious, but people forget that. Watch some webinars. What works and what doesn't? Uh, I was watching the David Sedaris masterclass recently, uh, which was a real pleasure. Uh, And he was talking about he does readings all the time and goes to readings because you learn so much from that. What have people done that you like and don't like? He talked about this and I say this and like, I have really wonderful poet friends. Uh, My friend Lisa Shen is a brilliant poet. I love poetry. Uh, But he was saying he's gone to readings and someone was like, this is, you know, the first of 11 poems. And he and he, then you're in a countdown where you're like counting every poem. And I've had that experience. And so don't don't make it like it's going to be a difficult thing for people. You want it to be fun. They're giving you their time, even if it's for work, even if work was like you have to be there. Roy, you've got to be there or you do not get paid. Um, let's make it as fun as possible, because when people are having fun, they learn more. If someone's like, here are a few things, blah, unless you're, I don't know, a big fan of horror movies, you're probably not going to connect to it. So give them what you would like to, to experience um, and have a little bit of fun with it and watch other people. There's a lot of stuff that's online and see what you like and don't like. Take some notes um, and also make it as clear as possible in the same way with when I'm doing a, a workshop in public. What are the problems? It's, you know, same ice ice baby. Uh, what's the sol- problem and how can I solve it? And it's the same with webinars. When you know one of the problems is that someone, uh, their, their dog might walk through and they might be distracted. What are things that you can do to stop that from happening? Maybe, you know, change the tone of your voice so you keep getting their attention. Uh, and also keep things as short as possible, which is very funny because I just said so many things. But if it was a webinar, I would have been quicker. And with uh, with the different speaking that you've done over the years, equipment, you know, because I hear different people, I'd l- love to know kind of, is there any things that went wrong that with knowledge you could prevent it from happening? Oh, this is a great question. <laughs> yes, so many things. Uh, one, uh, make sure that uh, you don't have uh, like a green screen that's not carefully put up because then it can fall and clatter. Uh, and that is not fun. Um, basically, to me, the thing is, if you can, try things out with a friend first uh, because you can try to troubleshoot those things. Don't get brand new equipment and, and not try it first. Uh, if you have a friend who is good at tech, uh, including in my case, sometimes my two-year-old niece is better at me than me at tech, get that person to give you uh, a hand. And also I will say Google is your friend. Uh, Google to see, because if there's a problem that's happened, someone has found it before you. But to me, like anything else, practice, practice, practice. 
uh, is the best thing. But yes, I have had my internet go off because the power went out. Uh, things happen. But as much as you can, prepare and try things out. Because you're also, if you're like me, uh, you're going to be anxious on the day of. So things can suddenly feel really overwhelming. So if you practice... I also do a thing, this is the one way I'm like an athlete, where I picture everything. I go through it in my mind as well. And like, what will make me feel the most comfortable? So if tech goes wrong, I know to do a deep breath and uh, say something, maybe make a little joke. Be like, oh, sorry, that was the wizard. There's like this wizard who controls my computer and I guess I got the wizard mad. Like make a little joke. Because if people know you're okay, they won't stress. If they feel like, oh no, there's, because people, as much as people, like there's a lot of like, people are terrible. People aren't. There are people who are actively terrible, but most people want other people to succeed and they feel good. They want you to do well. Uh, and so if you're, if tech's going badly and you seem to be spiraling out, they're going to get anxious on your behalf. Even if they don't like you, it's like they catch the anxiety. So I would say, yeah, uh, have a plan for if things go wrong and like make a little self-depreciating uh, joke and you'll be surprised how well things will things will go. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I, I Like I have two internet providers just as a backup and it still can go wrong. And I yeah. was doing a a few years ago a toastmaster competition i got into the not third round or something like that yeah and i was there for like the six hours or whatever it was and the one time that my computer the the, the thing just crashed was yeah. halfway through my speech of course <laughs> it was like roy were you mean to the wizard i you know that's the thing is like there might be a wizard who knows? Who like knows? they call Apple geniuses. It could be other computer wizards. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I was I I do uh, storytelling, and of course, but sometimes I do a little bit of stand up often to like try out stuff that I will put in uh, the work I'm doing. Uh, I am I am far from a stand up. I love stand up. But that is not my way of doing things, but it is a great way to try out different things that I could use. And I was on a Zoom show and someone was uh, doing their joke and it was just before the punchline and their computer froze and it did that Zoom freeze where it was just like, ah! and it was, I felt very badly for the person because one, it's too bad they worked on their joke, they had their joke. But it was also the funniest face and they didn't get to experience us all just rolling on the ground laughing. Yeah, that, that's that's one that, that should be recorded and then you get to save that. I hope they did. I hope they got to see it because it was, it was, I don't even know, like my, my, my thought was, was like, that should be a still you know the like Andy uh uh Andy Warhol like the the different images in different colors I was like that should be that stand-ups thing it should be their album cover it should be t-shirts whatever it was truly one of the funniest things I've ever seen so finally with the the social media because I mean you know you're doing few things and yes. what what you find serves you because there's so many there's so many platforms out there yeah I'll be honest, I'm still figuring that out. Uh, to me, I, I think for storytelling, uh, Instagram is really helpful. I've done different things where I do a story every day. Uh, I did uh, a Billy Joel, 30 days of Billy Joel when I was turning 40. Uh, I did 30 days of stories inspired by uh, the titles of Billy Joel songs because uh, in case you were wondering if I am very cool, I love Billy Joel and it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, which I am a bit, but also I'm sorry. People love Billy Joel. He's very famous for a reason. He's a, he's a wonderful artist, but anyways, and that was a really great experience for me. Um, but I, I think one of the things is with this stuff is you don't know, you can keep track of the numbers and that sort of stuff, but you don't know the times where people get to know you as a person and that helps them hire you or 
you know, start to follow you or et cetera. So I like to think of it as I'm just putting things out there and people will see it or don't. Uh, with Twitter, I'm more jokes. With Instagram, I'm more uh, here, here are stories, here are quotes that might help you. Uh, here's information about my show. So I think a lot of it is like, what do you feel most comfortable with? Are you a person who loves uh, doing, I don't know, uh, uh, memes? Or do you have a lot of uh, despicable me, the little minion memes? Uh, then maybe that's Facebook. Uh, and are you a person where you want to uh, talk to people like in your own voice, literally uh, Instagram, you could do video stuff uh, and you do shorter ones than YouTube. And you can also, as you know, you could have something on Twitter and then do it in a different way on Instagram and et cetera, uh, which could also get exhausting because you're trying to cover everything. I would say I primarily do Twitter and Instagram because uh, as you might have been able to figure out, I love to chat. So Twitter, I get to talk. And Instagram, I also love images and sharing little bits of stories in my own voice. So those are those are the two ones that made most sense to me. Yeah, brilliant. And I know that uh, sometimes if I'm sharing a joke and it's relevant to the podcast, I yeah. go, I give, I give the details of the podcast because I know people will share the joke and you exactly. just don't know somebody out there gets to see the podcast that would never have heard about me. And then they start following it. And at, at least you're, you know, you're sharing a bit of laughter around the world. Worst exactly. case scenario. Exactly. And I also think this is a thing, and I don't know if you have this experience, uh, especially because I was like a bit of an obnoxious punk kid, which is very funny because I was so anxious. So it's like I didn't have like cool hair or whatever. Uh, I made zines that I did not distribute. Were zines a thing in Ireland where people did their own like little like photocopied, you know, uh, like interviews with whatever local band and like, right. It basically was like the Internet before the Internet. Maybe yeah. I didn't do it. But yeah. yeah, fair. Uh, so I would make those kind of things and not distribute them. They're probably in a box in my parents' basement somewhere. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, so I had this idea of like, I'm outside of corporate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I'm not going to sell out and all that sort of thing. Uh, and so it was a lot of times when I was starting out, I was like, well, I don't want to tag this. I don't want it to seem tacky. Uh, and, and I, that's the thing is like, if people have heard a joke of yours, they're probably going to be like, Oh, I like this Roy. Ah, so funny. And it's like, wouldn't it be nice if they got to find out more about you? Cause they already like you. They heard a joke they're in people want to have more joy. What you're doing is helping them find more of something they're enjoying. And if they don't like it, they can just scroll on by. But if I, you know, if I saw one page of an amazing book, like there's a, a writer I love, Josh Gondelman, hilarious. And I discovered him on Twitter. And if he had never advertised about his book, like I Googled him, but not everyone's going to do that. But, you know, like I wouldn't have bought this book. I've bought that book for so many people. A friend of mine was going through a difficult time. I sent her that book and she was like, I really needed that laugh. And what if, you know, Josh Gondelman advertised by like tearing one page out of his book and putting it on the side of the road. And like, there's no way to connect with him at all. Myself, I wouldn't have got it. All these people that it's brought joy to wouldn't have got it. So that's what I think of. It's like, I want people, if you don't like me, that's fine. Um, but if you want to have more of me, I want to make it easy for you. And I would also love to give, I, there's this thing that I do now uh, and tell myself it's been really helpful. Uh, and I think it really connects to what we were talking about earlier, especially if you were ever a kid that was bullied and like, who was it? There's got to be like one kid somewhere, you know, his name is Phil and, no, and he was never bullied. He was just a nice person his whole life. And everyone was like, Phil, like they put him on their shoulders and they're like, Phil, 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 Phil. Like that's his story. I don't know him. Good for you, Phil. Uh, but most of us have had some crappy experiences. And so it is easy to not want to put yourself out there because especially that part of your like baby brain uh, is still there. And so it's like, ah, that's too scary. And what I say to myself now is uh, I am an entertainer. I enjoy entertaining people. If you making fun of me entertains, me, it entertains you, mission accomplished. 
So if someone sees a link and they're like, oh, gross, I hate this woman, then they get to feel good. They get that like dopamine rush of like not liking me. That's great. I brought them a little joy. That's wonderful. So I'm going to put that link in there so they can just be like, gross, scroll. Brilliant. Well, I know that you have entertained the listeners today, so you might let people know how they can find you. Yes, I'm going to bring that up. Uh, another thing that I have learned is always make sure you have your socials in front of you. So on Instagram, I am Aaron, E-R-I-N underscore Rogers, R-O-D-G-E-R-S underscore Story Pro. So it's Aaron Rogers Story Pro. On Twitter, I'm Aaron M. Rogers. And uh, you can find my website at Story Coaching, sorry, StoryStarCoaching.com. That's StoryStarCoaching.com. The last one is for if you heard me talk about the Pathfinders Collective and you're like, I sure would love to get published. It's pathfinderscollective.org. Pathfinderscollective.org. I want to hear your story. Please uh, get in touch. We have a new collection. We'll be announcing uh, the theme before too long. Uh, and I would love to hear your story. Excellent. I'll make sure I'll put the links spot in the audio in the video. Thank you very much for a beautiful conversation. Thank you. This has been such a pleasure. That's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. As mentioned, we're on YouTube. And you'll find my other podcasts, five of them, nearly half a dozen, as Aaron said. (laughs) And my coaching on bio.link forward slash podcaster. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, and share with your friends. And be sure to check out Aaron's website. Until next week, take care. So I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. You'll find everything about me on bio.link forward slash podcaster with all my podcasts and you'll find it you see in the QR code in the graphic that's shown. I'd like again to thank my sponsors. So if you or someone you know struggling with anxiety and want to know how to be 100% anxiety free six weeks without therapy or drugs, Daniel Packard's Anxiety Solution Program company offers a six-week system that permanently solves anxiety at an astounding 90% success rate. People who join the program only pay at the end once they have clear, measurable results. If you're interested in learning more, go to permanentanxietysolutions.com where you can book a free consultation with Daniel. Do you fight blood pressure and or want to get off the meds? Doctors are amazed at what Zona Plus can do. You can get a $50 discount with my code Roy, zona.com slash discount slash Roy. And you'll see it in the QR code as well as Daniel's QR code. Quality manufacturer of metal products for telecommunication and workshop equipment and other metal materials. you see the brochure there in the QR code. And let me know if you would like a quotation shipped internationally at very competitive price. I'd like to thank all my sponsors and also all my listeners. Be sure to give me a thumbs up. Five-star rating, share with your friends. Really helps. And I also have a video on how to give a five-star rating because a lot of people have wrote to me asking me that they don't know how to do that. Until next week, take care.